Hello and welcome to the Christ Sports and Culture podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. I'm your host, John Richards, along with your co-host, Chris Lassiter. Join us today on episode one as we discuss Jackie Robinson, integration in the church, the NBA playoffs, and other hot topics from this past week. You're listening to the Christ Sports and Culture Podcast, a podcast through the lens of the gospel. Welcome to episode one of the Christ Sports and Culture Podcast. Now, I'm not so sure if that's going to be the name of it, but that's what we can work on that. That's what we got right now. I'm your co-host, John Richards, a.k.a. Jay Rich, a.k.a. The Rec League, Rasheed Wallace. Um, and I'm here <laughs> with my boy, Chris Lassiter, a.k.a. C-Lass. Did you have other nicknames, man, when you were balling? Uh, mostly it was just C-Lass. C-Lass. See, that's, when you just go C-Lass, that means that you were a hooper. You were a baller, right? Uh, it's debatable. That's debatable. Oh, man, come on. Since we're talking about it, man, just give us a little bit of your background since you're going to be co-hosting this thing, man. Talk talk to us about, you know, who you are um, in Christ, obviously, and then just talk about sports and culture and your background there. Yeah, real fast, man. Um, I kind of grew up um, in love with basketball. Every Sunday I went to church, but I had, like, my hooping gear and then my and I think that was kind of just symbolic of life in that time like my basketball was a lot closer to my heart than the gospel was um played in high school played at a real small college Shenandoah University um we were good a couple years mediocre a couple years but Christ really used a lot of those relationships from that school um to kind of grab my heart later in life most specifically uh, I had a cousin who went to college with me was on the baseball team he became a Christian first, and it was really through a small group of this house when we moved back to our hometown that um, I really started to understand the God. Hmm. But how about you? I mean, what about you? Wait, wait, wait. You didn't tell me your hometown, though, man. Where are you from? You yeah, got represent, think... man. Okay, I'm from Stanton, VA. So wow. um, for people who have never heard of that, it's... um. It's about a how it's about a half hour from UVA, team in the Elite Eight this year. So very close to University of Virginia. Hmm. They made it, but barely. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, man, uh we had we had already thought we gave Syracuse the knockout blow. And um lo and behold, they came back oh, down sixteen. That was, great. That was so great. That, man. No, we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave that alone for this episode. So, so how big is your hometown? How many people? Um, you in the shy right now, right? Yeah, man, I'm in Shy Town, man. So it's basically a neighborhood in Shy in Shy Town. So <laughs> I would say twenty three thousand people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So let me just tell you, just as a segue to my background, I am from Brunswick, Georgia, and let me tell you, I represent Brunswick hard and we have probably about 10 to 12,000 people so we're, we're like half a neighborhood you're talking about a neighborhood we're half a neighborhood in my hometown I um, grew up there you know I was a basketball fan from birth it seems like so I'm huge into basketball like huge played in high school I played varsity basketball for a couple of years and there's a story behind that because my coach man he was trying to hold me down man I didn't really play very many minutes man so I didn't really bloom until actually I graduated from high school so I went to college and I became a rec league all-star man I started playing in rec leagues like six seven days a week but um yeah I just love hoops man and love Christ I mean that's you know got saved senior year in college man and just totally transformed my life and uh ever since then man just just been someone who's very intrigued about sports and culture. And honestly, see last man, he, he came up to me and told me about the possibility of doing a podcast 
um, on Christ Sports, Sports and Culture. And I was like, yes, absolutely, I'm in. So here we are. You'll learn more about us as, you know, the weeks go by and the episodes go by. But tonight, man, we just want to chop it up over a couple of different topics, right? Right, right. Well, before we go any further, though, I think at this point, our, our basketball careers will be going in different directions. I've pretty much hung up the hoop kicks, but just just fill me in a little bit and fill whoever may be listening in. How did your season go this year as a Red League All-Star? <laughs> This year, man, this year we made it to the final four. We did better than UVA uh, in our rec league. Now, let me tell you, I, I, I moved out to Aurora, Illinois, and found the rec league immediately because I have to play basketball. Absolutely have to. And found the rec league. And I went and actually I signed up for the non-competitive league because I wasn't so sure. I was like, okay, I'm getting older. I'm like 37 now. Man, I actually probably should have signed up for the competitive league because the non-competitive league is not that great, but there are some teams that are pretty good in the league. So um, next year I probably will be playing playing in competitive league, but we made it to the final four, man. The first game, though, the first game, we're talking about not practice. We're talking about a game, man. <laughs> the first game, that was a VA reference for you. and your Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um. I had the game winning basket, man. It was great. It was great. It was, I was like on cloud nine, you know, that's like the, the childhood dream, right? I think I may, that might be my first one in my whole career, my entire rec league career, man. So, uh, that was great, man. Teammates were, you know, swarming me, man. I, I wish I had a, you know, wish I had some Facebook live going on. There <laughs> some people probably aren't going to believe me, but it's all good, man. So yeah, career is going good, man. I appreciate you asking. I still got well, shoes, but they getting close okay. to that hanger up there, man. Getting close. Well, let me. I'm gonna let you segue, but I, you'll appreciate this, man. So for 15 years, I was a sports reporter at a newspaper, but I think I came about it honestly. You mentioned Allen Iverson. I, I grew up. I'm in the same age, same class, class of '94. Allen Iverson. So every year in the AAU tournament, obviously we couldn't win because Iverson's team was in it. But the very first time I ever saw him play, my dad had a camcorder and he had recorded our AU game. I saw Allen Iverson play for about two minutes. I said, Dad, rewind that VHS, record <laughs> over our game, and record this game. So I had this tape of Allen Iverson playing right after his junior year of high school in the state AU tournament. Uh, but my friend decided to record rap videos over it, so I don't own it anymore. Oh, man, how you going to set us up like that? I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, we might be able to put this on the podcast, man. Look at some of the video and, and, and talk about it. And now you're talking about rap videos? Yeah. Tell your man, your friend, is that's jacked up, man. Why yeah. would he do that? I, I was disappointed, but he's a lot bigger <laughs> than me, so I had to let it ride. It's all good, man. So, look, last week, man, last week was Jackie Robinson Day in in the, in the Major League, in Major League Baseball. So... Jackie Robinson Day, for people who don't know, every player in the league wears the number 42 um, to honor the first black baseball player in Major League Baseball, the person who integrated Major League Baseball, Jackie Robinson. So um, it's pretty cool to see, like, Cuban players, white players, um, other Hispanic players wearing 42 just to show that the league has been integrated. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was like, wow, can what happened in sports actually happen in church? Um, Ted Cluck, who wrote The Reason for Sports, a Christian manifesto, says in his book, if 9 a.m. to noon is the most segregated slot in America, then 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., the early game, and 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. <laughs> may be the most integrated what are your thoughts about that in terms of sports versus the church and how has the sports world figured it out? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I'll let you kind of chip into this too. My two immediate thoughts are yes and no, you know, like, yes, it's definitely way more integrated and they've come, they've come along and said, whatever our mission is, whether that mission is to win our city a championship or, from the manager's standpoint or the owner of the team standpoint to make money. Like um, they said, green is more important than black or white. 
but also, I, I mean, you and I had talked a little bit about just our backgrounds. Um, so I feel like when the gospel calls us, like it calls us to be one family and families have conflicts and they work through them. And I feel like growing up having played sports, like a lot of those relationships are allowed to stay at a superficial level and you don't really have to do any hard work or get to know people or forgive people or bear with people like the gospel calls us to do. Um, it's actually easy to just put on the same jersey as somebody else, run suicide beside them, um, give everything you have on that court, and then as soon as practice or the game is over, to go your separate way. So um, obviously, like I agree that the segregation is the most segregated hour, is the hour that we go to church in America. But sometimes even in that sports realm, between the athletes, I felt like for me, like it allowed me to stay at a superficial level um, or a superficial distance from some of my teammates who might not have shared my background. What mm. about your experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to agree, man. There, there really isn't any hard work that goes on there. My, I so I grew up, like I said, in a small town, and I actually played. Um, I guess some people call it pee wee or whatever. Um, Football, baseball, basketball. I played. I was a three sports star, man. I was like Deion Sanders growing <laughs> up. Um, but I played for the rec league that was majority white. So we had a white league, and then we had a black league. And Whoa! We, yeah, exactly. So I played for the county. The county was white, and the city was black. Oh, I and, got you. And the boys, and then the boys club was black. So we had three different teams and my mom was like, uh, you're five foot ten, 112 pounds. You're probably going to be playing with white boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of an intentional uh, choice on her part, but we actually had to play the city and county teams. And man, it's weird because I never got invited to any parties for my teammates. Like all the parties I would go to were were from guys from the city and county teams. Um, so it's just kind of a weird dynamic. And I have to completely agree with you because it's just because we're on the same team doesn't mean we do life together. Um, I know a lot of professional athletes travel together and all of that, but it just, it seems pretty superficial, as you said. And I think that, you know, even though the church has a long way to go, um, that, that that's the place where Christ is called his body to do the real hard work and not do it between one and four on Sundays or four and eight on Sundays. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. And I th so the Jackie Robinson story, and um, I was kind of um, looking for something that was like, what can I use to kind of explain what happened and how walls get broken down? You know, in Ephesians, it talks about like that wall of division has been broken down and that's not the exact context of it but like the larger context is there shouldn't still be dividing walls up you know mm. um but i look at baseball and branch ricky just made a decision for all of baseball that says we're not doing segregation anymore and here's what it's going to be like i'm going to go i'm going to recruit african-american athletes and i'm going to bring them into our system so basically he made a decision for everyone and even some of the negro league teams were like hey we don't want to lose jackie in our league he's our star so like nobody really wanted to see that happen at that time but he just made a decision and now we look at it fast forward this many years later like we couldn't imagine like a segregated baseball anymore and i would say like when are we going to have like that branch ricky in the church who just speaks for the church and says we can't do segregation anymore. And where our kids, you and I are both parents, dads, love being dads, um, where we look and our kids can never imagine, like the idea of a segregated church would be silly to them as segregated baseball would be silly to us. Mm. Wow. Wow. The branch Richie of the church. Do you have any candidates? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it was really cool to see. Um, it was really cool to see like the time to speak and some things like 
Um, and I've seen some people and I've been really encouraged um, by people who have come and just showed solidarity in the body of Christ. I've seen a couple of things by Dr. Russell Moore that have been encouraging to me. But um, uniformly, obviously, like baseball is one organization. What do we have? Something like 200 denominations of Christianity in America. So it's not like somebody always just speaks universally for the church in that scenario. So, but I, I really do think we need to move in that direction. I know Tony Evans, um, Urban Alternative is really passionate about that as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know who that would be. Why not you though? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not the head of any of those denominations, <laughs> um, but I definitely, I absolutely have a passion and a heart for reconciliation. And I know you do, and I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about that um, on, on this episode possibly and on future episodes, because that's one of our um, collective heartbeats um, in terms of our core values. So good, man. Did you, um, so I know that you wanted to talk some NBA for sure, right? Yeah, man. So, I mean, all right, look, so this is kind of how, and, and this is like, if you've ever been like, I was a sports journalist for 15 years. And so in a weird way, you almost lose your fandom, but you start to cheer for storylines. And so um, this is what I would love to hear from you. Like, I have some storylines that I'm cheering for, but I also have some storylines that I'm just begging don't come true. And so um, those tend to be like longer storylines. And what I'm scared of is there's this crop of NBA players that are all really likable dudes and some some of them is going to get lifted out of this championship thing like uh like they're going to have the Jordan effect to where as like yeah I would have got that ring but I came through during the Jordan years so I'm starting to look at people like Chris Paul who's starting to get up there and starting to wonder how much longer like Durant and Westbrook's window is and starting to think like LeBron's starting to slow down just a tad and he's trying to put the whole city of Cleveland on his back like somebody's got to get left out and not get that ring. Like somebody's window is going to close before they get that ring. So that's some of the stories I'm like hoping don't happen, but tell me kind of what you're cheering for in the playoffs and what you're cheering against. If you don't already know what I'm (laughs) cheering for, then I'm going to let y'all know because you don't know me. Okay. For the past 14 years, I've been a San Antonio Spurs fan, and we've had five rings um, over that time period. And I'm looking for number six this year because Tim Duncan is probably on his way out in the next couple of years. So this year, I'm looking for Kawhi and the crew to bring home the title. As far as storylines that I'm just like hoping that folks don't get the title, first of all, uh, RIP the Kobe's career. Okay, it's over, <laughs> done. I'm I'm the biggest Kobe Bryant hater probably on this planet. Okay, let me tell you that that game, his last game where he scored sixty on fifty shots, I wanted to like strangle Lakers fans. Dude, you took fifty shots. I can get sixty taking fifty shots. I but can like, get sixty. <laughs> I can wasn't get 60. that the right way for Kobe to go out taking fifty shots? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. I don't want to see this guy get force fed for four quarters. Okay. The last three minutes of the fourth quarter, vintage Kobe. I'm not hating on that. But dude, 50 shots. He was out there. I, he needed some oxygen. Like, seriously. I thought the man was going to pass out, but that's neither here nor there because he's not even in this conversation. Okay. 17 wins does not get you in the playoffs. <laughs> So peace out, Kobe. Uh, thank you for all your years, 20 years of service in the league and and watching my Spurs win five titles. So on that note, I'm not a Chris Paul fan. Sorry, see last. Um, I ain't mad at that. I like Chris Paul. I think he's a consummate point guard. I was a point guard, so I like point guards. Do you? So you I like, like you like people who just play dirty then, huh? Now, okay. see, I got some I got problems you. with some of them things he'd be doing. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, like, he seems like such a nice guy off the court. And he's, like, he's there helping people, like, when, like in State Farm commercials when their house floods. Like, he's in there with the 
but then he gets in the he gets in the games and he wants to like hit people below the belt consistently. I don't understand that. I mean, he's out there winning Emmys, flopping. And I just can't do it. Like yeah, I know you Cousins guys was about to. <laughs> He's about to put justice in his own hands. <laughs> I know you guys shared the same first name, but I'm just not a Chris Paul fan. So if he doesn't win a title, I'm okay with that. Uh, LeBron James, he's pretty likable. But uh, at the same time, I think that he kind of gets some of the superstar treatment. I think Stan Van Gundy mentioned that the other night when uh, Detroit was a little bit upset about some of the calls he was getting. But, you know, that just happens in the league. I, you know what? I like Russell Westbrook, but he has two versions of himself. He's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, when he's playing my team, I like the fourth quarter with Russell Westbrook, who forgets that he's not the best player on his team. Sorry, Kevin Durant is ridiculous. When it's crunch time, please give him the ball because you become a whole nother beast um, in the fourth quarter, Russell Westbrook. And you do crazy things, turnovers, all this good stuff. I love it when he's playing my team. But when I'm watching him as a pure basketball fan, I just don't understand, like, how he's not clutch. Um, So I'm going to have to get some stats on that. But I'm pretty sure most of the four quarters I've seen where he's just blown it, I'm like, okay, this this guy is two different people. So I'm not. Do you remember? Do you remember the year they played in the finals? And it was the game when he just went berserk for the first three and a half quarters. And then he made two of the most boneheaded plays down the stretch. And I was like, hey, that's Wessel Westbrook. Like, for three and a half quarters, he will just give you the business. And then for the last four minutes of any fourth quarter, he will make all the same plays that you make only in first quarters of games and let you right back in the game. So I, I I I agree a hundred percent, and that's why I love people like Chris Paul <laughs> because he was clutch enough to knock out my Spurs last year, and I was oh, not very happy now about that. Where, now I understand. Now you where get it, right? Because Chris Paul comes from seven game series. That was probably the best series in the playoffs last year, like hands down. I mean, I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, obviously, but. That those games were great, but Chris Paul was just killing us on one on one leg, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean he's a great ball player. I just I just don't like his his approach to the game. Put it that way. So yeah, there's some Pat Ewans in the league that probably aren't going to get titles for the next four or five years, but I don't think that for me they're not likable enough for me to be pulling for them, especially when the, the silver and black are making things happen. What about what about um, you from a small town? I'm from a small town. Take LeBron out of the equation. Like just the guy who goes back to his hometown. Don't you want to see him win a title for that town? Like being from a small town, knowing like anybody who has a chance to get away gets away. Like isn't there something in your heart being from a small town that kind of resonates and says, yeah, let's um. Let let's see LeBron at least get one for that city who hasn't had one since Jim Brown. There there are plenty of players on the Spurs that are from small towns. That that just works out perfectly. But they're uh, not in their small town. <laughs> so you're talking about Akron. You're talking about LeBron. You're talking about Akron. I mean, he's obviously the most famous guy from a small town. You know, I think he does enough for that town for them not to really need a title. I think, you don't feel bad for the Cleveland fan that hasn't had a title since the 60s. Do I feel bad for the Cleveland Browns fans? Do I feel yeah, bad all for of, all of Cleveland? Right, Cleveland period. What about Detroit? Do you feel bad about Detroit? I mean, they beat the Lakers not so long ago. What, 20 years ago? That was in Kobe's prime. They beat the Lakers in Kobe's prime. I know. I know. Should have been hyped about that. Yeah, I know. I was in the Motor City then, actually. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, I was working there. It was great. It was great. Um, so yeah, there there's some towns. Yeah, obviously that need the boost. But I'm not just gonna give it to them for boost's sake. Um, you know, you gotta earn it, man. You gotta put together a program, a system that works like a well-oiled machine. Obviously, you know, my homerism is going to come through. 
in these episodes. So uh, as long as I'm starting to notice that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, there are very few players. I mean, obviously the Warriors are great. And I, I really like Steph Curry. I know people are now jumping on the bandwagon, but um, I do like him. But they're winning titles, so it's not like, you know, they're the underdog. So I can't really think of anybody else. The 76ers, they're, they're a D-League team. Bah. <laughs> so let me tell you this. Since since you mentioned Steph, all right, my, my hometown isn't known for much, but I grew up about – 15 minutes from where the court is named after Steph's dad, Del Curry. And I used to get to work basketball camps with him growing up. And you talk about a sharp shooter, but what he would teach kids, and I might be not getting this perfect, but instead of looking at the front of the rim or the back of the rim, wherever you would shoot, he would look at the three rings that face you, no matter where you are on the basketball court. And then he would like sharp shoot over the one it was in the center of those three. So instead of looking at like the whole front of the rim or the whole back of the rim, he would look at one little thing that was holding up like the net. And so they sharpshoot. They shoot differently than anyone else. And so I taught myself to shoot like that. It was so much easier than shooting at the front or the back of the rim. So that's for the podcast listeners who might want to work on their jump shot. And for you, if you want to take that next level step, as a rec league all-star. Oh, man. I'm about to go off, man. You just gave me Dale. I was going to go to his camp. <laughs> I was going to go to his camp next year. That's all I need. I was, I, I've been seeing the advertisements, you know, online for his shooting camp since, you know, his son's all world famous now. I was going to go. But since you told me the secret, man, I might put up 40 next game. Next time we do a podcast, Dang, I'm going to tell you, happen, I'm going to give you my stat line. Hey, I would I'm gonna do it that. in humility too. There I'm gonna humbly is. give you. I'm gonna humble brag my stats. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, um, wow, more NBA to come because playoffs have started, and I definitely had some predictions last week, and they're looking pretty good. So the playoffs have been horrible so far. They have, but I've I've said that like the West has become the East, like. There's been a switch because back in the, I mean, five years ago, you knew the top three teams in the East were going to just blow through everybody. And now the same thing's happening over on the West side. And now the East games are closer, which is interesting. But, you know, first round is always going to be the first rounds. Money making seven game playoffs used to be five games, but they're trying to make some money. So that's how we roll. All right, man, let's talk about this other topic that we had thought about your favorite Christian athlete of all time, all time. Who is it? See, now I'm going to go. And why? Yeah. I'm going to go with Steph. Like, um, what? No, 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 man. You can't. How, how dare you pick somebody from like the past three years? Because his dad grew up 15 minutes from me. Okay. Plus, okay. All right. Well, here's the reality. Um, so when I grew up, I grew up in church and like, I learned a lot of great stuff in church, man. I'm thankful for growing up in church, but like, I didn't really understand the gospel till later in life. And it happened outside of the church in a small group. Right. So, um, And a lot of those times, like, obviously, like, discipleship has to happen at some level one-on-one. But if there was anyone who did, like, discipleship from a distance and really taught me sound doctrine, it was, like, a movement of, like, Christian hip-hop artists. And um, so, like, just for that reason, like, the whole Christian hip-hop movement has kind of had, like, a sentimental place in my heart. And so... Even when Steph was young, and don't forget, like, his dad grew up 15 minutes from where I grew up. So, like, if Steph Curry's my favorite NBA player, Seth Curry's my second favorite NBA player. So, um... Wait, so, Seth Curry's in the NBA? 
You seen him put up twenty and fifteen the other night, man. Don't front. Seth Curry is Seth Curry. Seth yes. Curry is in the NBA. Oh yes. Oh, I'm telling you, man. No, my I'm fandom kidding. is different. So, um, <laughs> but like, even seeing him kind of embrace that movement and like the roots that he has, like. I still live in a place where Steph is Dell's son. And you can't say that for much of America. It's very much vice versa, where Dell is just Steph's dad. We live in a place where he's still Dell's son. So um, that that resonates with us a lot. Hmm. Who would you go with? All Man. right, so boom. What's up? If you, if you had to tell me, and I don't know his theological background, but my favorite athlete of all time is Joe Delaney. Kansas City Chief running back from a small town like us. And in 1983, June 29th, drowned saving two kids, gave up his whole NFL career, his marriage, um, the chance to raise his, his daughters, um, to save two kids who he saw drowning, but he didn't know how to swim. And he drowned, saved one and drowned with the other two. My dad told me that story when I was young. He's always been my favorite um, athlete. Wow. Wow. Joe Delaney? Joe Delaney. They wow. did a 30 for 30 on him. Oh. They, they did, what was the name yeah. of it? Um, I'll have to look it up, man. The you Joe Delaney. my favorite athlete. The Joe Delaney 30 for 30. I got to go and check that out. Netflix or somewhere else. Hopefully, It's Netflix only 22 did. minutes. They made a mini documentary. Oh, they did. So, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out, man. Wow. Yeah, August 19th. It's great. Um, wow. How do you follow that? What? My favorite Christian athlete, man, is so, you know, I'm not going to say David Robinson, right? Because I got to, I got to move away from the Spurs. You've been talking bad about me this episode. So he's from VA. I love David Robinson. (laughs) He's great, man. But my favorite Christian athlete is John Smoltz. He is a former pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Um, I know I love the NBA. I've said I, I've said that, but I actually love baseball, um, if not the same. Yeah, probably around the same. Um, so John Smoltz is a pitcher, was a pitcher for the Braves, and he actually was a starter for quite some time, an all-star, and then like reinvented himself to become a closer. And was an all-star as a closer. And I think he closed his career with over 500 saves. And he was an athlete who was active in the Atlanta area um, in terms of being on boards of Christian organizations. And he just always carried himself um, with what seemed like character and integrity. So watching, you know, Turner Sports growing up, being from Georgia, everything was on TBS and all of Turner's networks. It was just great seeing somebody who can model that in the clubhouse and outside of it. So I would say John Smoltz, and not because we have the same first name like you and Chris Paul. Yeah, but, I mean, I know I've watched – I mean, you know that, like, in Virginia, TBS was the same too, and that's really always – Wizards games or Hawks games. So, like, we grew up watching the Braves as well. Like, Dale Murphy, the whole nine, this is – that was our childhood as well. So. Yes, sir. Dale Murphy on the hot corner, man. I used to love the Braves. Terry Pendleton. Oh, man. Great memories. So um, we're going to close this episode with um, a T- 4G conversation. And if for, pe- for people who are listening, listeners who are listening, if you don't know what T4G is, is it is the Together for the Gospel conference that happens every two years in reformed circles and it happens in louisville kentucky this year it was in um the large arena that the louisville college basketball team plays in i can't think of the name of it right now cardinals oh i know the no the arena that's what i'm saying i know i took my son to the lego convention there is it like freedom it's something like that yeah, something like that. It's huge. Uh, so so 12,000 pastors and leaders um, convened there for a uh, three to four day period. And I was down there with the Reformed African-American Network. Shout out to Jamar Tisby and the crew um, as a board member 
just to hang out with them as they led a discussion on race and reconciliation. Him and Dr. Ligon Duncan read, led that discussion, which is great, by the way. You should probably go check it out if you're listening to the breakout sessions. But uh, I had a chance to attend the T4G conference and just wanted to chop it up with C-Lass about it. C-Lass, have you ever gone before? You Have you listened to the sessions? What are your thoughts on T4G? I love it. I've listened to um, all the sessions. I probably could tell you um, – I probably could tell you every speech that Tabidi's ever given there. Um, I like Matt Chandler. I, obviously, I love John Piper. I love a lot of what Kevin DeYoung has shared there. So I've never been, but I always find like what I felt was interesting. So I kind of look on Twitter when it's going on, see kind of what people are like gravitating towards, what people are commenting on, and then just make a playlist because they podcast everything. So I go back in. And I've um, I try to limit how many podcasts I listen to now. Uh, Good luck. My pastor probably said I was a podcast junkie back in the day, so try not to do it all the time now. But that's one that I feel like is still worth podcasting. Mm, mm. Yeah, I I had a good time, man. I you know we sang hymns, and um, I I actually haven't sang very many hymns in a very long time. Um, and the hymnal was actually from the master's seminary. I think they actually put it together and, uh, they were called hymns of grace and they actually gave everybody a free copy. So it was great kind of just to, to sing that together with 10,000, 11,000 other voices and just hearing the theologically rich content, um, of the hymns that we sang, um, in terms of the experience it was very interesting because it's very, as we discussed uh, earlier, very homogenous um, in terms of the crowd. So I was one of the very few African-Americans around, um, and it was definitely very white and very male um, in terms of the makeup. Obviously, as pastors and leaders, it's the reform, um, a reform conference, so it's definitely going to be um, male, um, but it's also, it was also very white. So even though, you know, as you mentioned, when we talked earlier, uh, to vet together for the gospel would probably denote some type of multicultural, um, mixed bag of folks from all over, uh, definitely was feeling that from the conference itself, but it's great. Cause I got a chance to sit down with some of my white brothers um, and just talk about, you know, cultural differences, um, things that might help in that path towards ra- racial reconciliation. I had sat down with a couple of older gentlemen. I mean, these guys were like 60 plus. One was a pastor in North Dakota and someone else was a pastor somewhere in rural Kentucky. And they were like, yeah, um, we heard about Christian hip hop and, we hear about how theologically sound it is from some of our congregants. We just don't ever get into it. So we actually had like a 20 to 25 minute conversation um, about some of the artists in the Christian hip hop arena. And also just think, you know, we just talked through theology and they were really encouraging, you know, being in ministry for 30, 40 years and just telling me about some of the things that they've experienced on the pastoral ministry side. It was a great conversation and we just happened to see one another out front and they invited me to have lunch with them. So it was a really life-giving conversation. So I was glad that I went, but I really was surprised that it really is homogenous. And again, it goes back to our earlier conversation, like what would it be like if the church actually reflected what (laughs) we see in revelation, you know, every tribe, every tongue um, around the throne of God, that's like my vision for the church universal um, and this Christ vision for the church universal. Uh, it just seemed like it's been harder or easier said than done for us culturally. Right. And I, I think um, one of those things is like, if we're just honest, like we look at some of these, like the heartbreaking way that some of the tr- like traditionally black congregations came into existence. It was because of, exclusion from that denomination you know mm-hmm. um so this is a problem that we were handed it's not like we chose it like our generation 
was born in churches that tend to gather very, very homogeneously. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean like it's not our problem to solve. You know what I'm saying? Like the people who did that in 1860 aren't going to come and undo that now. You know what I'm saying? So really that's us. I do have a couple of follow-up questions for your T4G conference. All right. You had a conversation about Christian hip hop, right? Yep. And I can see right now that you have a microphone. So at any point ever, even if it was for a day, were you a Christian hip hop artist? And what was your name? Absolutely not. I (laughs) I can't rap a present. Okay, much <laughs> less spit any bars. All right, this this microphone is definitely just for show. Absolutely. Well, listen, man. So you trying to tell me if I look through all your prayer journals, like from the time that you were in college as a senior, I'm not gonna find like two little things that rhyme that were like the beginning of saying, "Well, let me just see if I could do this." Um, you know what? If you if you scour the internet, if you go and Google me. <laughs> Google me, you actually <laughs> might find a YouTube rap that I did like five years ago in jest. And there it is. it's on my personal account. I can't believe it's still up there, but, you know, I was just there it is. messing around, man. All right. So the, the other two questions are a little more serious. Um, and this is just me being curious, but I think maybe if anyone was listening, they might want to know too, like, the role of conferences in the life of a believer, like when you go, like, I mean, what is the end goal for you? If if the if the extreme end goal in life is Christ likeness, like what role does the conference play? Not just T4G or Legacy, but any conference mm. play like in that shaping. And then the, I guess the follow up question to that is like, like how do you prepare and what do you take away? like to make sure that conferences are working towards that end goal. Yeah. So um, once I started being a conference junkie, as you were a podcast junkie, I really had to like step back and be like, okay, what am I getting from it per se in terms of long term? Because one of the things that I realized was like, man, I was hashtagging the mess out of the conference. Um, <laughs> But hashtags don't always mean that you retain everything. You know, it's just sort of, you know, you're just live tweeting it. So I kind of got more intentional about saving some of the notes that I've taken from some of the conferences and not just going for information, but trying to figure out what kind of transformation can occur from any of the sessions, whether it's a plenary or whether it's a breakout, like, I think I was more blessed by the breakout session um, this go round, the one on racial reconciliation, because it was great. Not just because Jamar is a friend. Um, I just felt like it was good to hear brothers in Christ wrestling with this issue of racial reconciliation in their context and actually asking those questions like, hey, I'm here. I don't know what to do. I'm a white person in a urban context and they feel like there are barriers and I can't get past them. So having that conversation was really encouraging for me because, you know, sometimes you're able to help other people see some of their blind spots. So to answer your question, like any conference I go to, I try not to just go for information. I always want to answer that. So what question, like what did I take from this? That's going to transform the way I start thinking about stuff. Yeah. And which, if you just had to say, like, maybe give us a top three, you know, uh, blogs, things, they always want a list of three, top three conferences for you. Like, you saying, like, I'm doing three conferences in a year. Which three conferences are you going to? So, um, number one, what I would say is legacy. And the reason why I say legacy is because legacy is probably the most multicultural conference that I've ever been to like period hands down. Um, and just the worship experience at legacy. As I look around the room, I'm like, this is the picture that I see in revelation. And this is what's possible 
when people come together um, under the flag of the gospel um, for that racial reconciliation truth. So I would say legacy is probably numero uno in my book. I um so uh, as you mentioned, I'm a father, so I have slowed down on conferences over the years, and I was supposed to go to um, TGC last year. Um, did not make it, but enjoyed the content from TGC without having gone. So I think that that was probably that would probably be in my top list as well. And I'm thinking about and thinking through another. Um, I've been to a couple of writers' conferences, but I, they haven't been that hot. Like they, they've we been. Talk, we've talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even put them in my top. Like if I don't have to have a third one, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that right now because I haven't really gone to. Like I've really slowed down on the conference tip um, over the years. So. Yeah, that those are people. Waiting two. for you to put together that um that that Christian writing conference, brother. Uh, you know that's one of the things that I really want to do. But sometimes you got to say no to some really good things just so you can keep your sanity. Um, I, and I that's that. I understand. <laughs> I got five kids, so I get it. Oh wow! Yeah, I only have two, so you you got a whole squad, man. I was. When I married my wife, I told her I wanted five. I wanted to start in five. Then I had one, and then we had two. And I was like, okay, so about that five, we're probably going <laughs> to I think we're good. We're good. So <laughs> Great, man. So, wow, we covered a lot in this first episode. That was great, man. We know who C. Lass is and where he's from. We even got some Allen Iverson in there, some Dale Curry action. Uh, I used to love Dale Curry, by the way. Uh, still do. And uh, looking forward to, to more future episodes with you, man. This was really cool. If you yeah. ever come to VA, man, I'll take you to Dale Curry's old house he grew up in. The hoop is still up attached to a telephone pole. And we'll play oh. a game of out. Oh, bet. Wait, wait, wait. You called it out? Yeah, what y'all call Man, it? Man, no, nobody plays out. What is out? You talking what about? Call it? You talking about horse? I got five kids, man. I can't be gone for horse. <laughs> <laughs> I can you, only, I can only, only be gone for like a three-letter game. Y'all only go three letters? Okay, so I have to ask this because, Yo. like, we're going to have some regional differences, you know, on this okay. podcast, especially when you're talking about hoops, right? So this is going to be make or break, man. This might this might make or break episode two. Like this might be like, nah, man, I can't even do another episode with this dude. Twenty one. Like Paul and Barnabas already. Exactly, exactly. This is our mark moment. So twenty one or thirty two. We played thirty two. Oh man, we done. We can't even. Yeah, yeah, what y'all play? Twenty one, man. That's the only game that you that you should play. Like. 32 doesn't exist in my book. Where'd right, that come let from? Me, let, me, let me try to break this down for you. You don't need to like, break it down. It's just wrong. You grew up. You grew it's up heresy. It's basketball heresy. You grew up in football country. So y'all, y'all playing 21 because y'all got like four people at the court. I grew up in basketball country with Allen Iverson, Del Curry, David Robinson, Grant Hill, Alonzo Mourning. So like the courts is full. So you don't ever really got to play that because it's always five on fives. Okay, so all of our New York listeners just pretty much said this dude is really tripping if he thinks Virginia is basketball country. So we probably lost half of New York. Thanks a lot, sir. Um, <laughs> and I probably would argue that, you know, okay, yes, Georgia South is, is football country, but we're going to have to put together a list, man, uh, on a future episode in terms of like, best athletes uh out of out of certain areas and then we can we can go from there on the basketball tip. All right, yeah, but I'm telling you the VA team is strong. Okay. I'm not saying we the best, I'm just saying we strong. No, I get it, man. I get it. You know the Hampton Roads area is, is really nice, man. They got some good ballers down there. All right, man, so lightning around, let me just say this before we before we close. Okay. Kawhi Leonard, defensive player of the year for the second year in a row. 
Will he yep. go down as one of the greatest defenders of all time? No. Because he all just right, episode over. Now listen, <laughs> listen, listen to the reasoning though. I'm gonna give you the lightning round answer. Like he's never gonna boast for himself. And that's what I appreciate about your Spurs, man. Like they 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 just humble like there's just a humility about the franchise. Like they don't boast, you know, like Tim Duncan is clearly the best player of our era, but you're just never gonna hear Tim Duncan say that. And like usefulness goes with his defensive prowess. So like it'll go unnoticed because he doesn't mind it going unnoticed. That that just sounds like Jesus's team, like the Philippian two team. I, I appreciate that. Like that, man. I love it. <laughs> love, it love it. To him. I got you, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's up in the locker room. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Any other parting shots from you? I just, I, as you close, man. I just want to know: Are you reading or writing anything good? Am I reading or writing anything good? Um, I, I, I don't write anything good. I, 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 well, I wouldn't say that I write anything good. I just like to write out of the abundance of my heart wherever I feel led. So I'm actually doing a, um, a Christian starting five and coach. That's want to be one of my upcoming blog posts. I'm looking forward to doing that because, um, I just like finding Christian players to follow. Um, so I've been, you know, scouring the net trying to figure out who's, who's a Christian and, and having some type of, I guess, qualifications to make the team. So to be my, my NBA all-star Christian starting five, that should be cool. In terms of reading, man, I got like 18 books from T4G. Like I really had to pack my suitcase and repack it because I had 18 books, including like this huge commentary and they gave them all away for free. It's kind of crazy. But um, in terms of what I'm reading right now, I'm reading uh, Mark Devers and Gary Gilbert. I think that's his name. Um, it's called Preach. Um, it's a good book. Good book. Preach? Preach it? What about you? Um, I'm working through. Um, you're, you, you've, you've done the whole seminary thing. So um, I'm kind of piecing together the seminary thing, like just in what's interest to me. I call it Pancake University. So. I might podcast something from iTunes U and take a class for audit or something like that. But um, I got an introduction, like a um, Old Testament survey and a New Testament survey. Um, just as far as growing as a writer, I've been listening to a lot of fiction audiobooks because I'm hoping to take a stab at writing a fiction book. Um and then if anything I could just plug that was small, um, there's a free app, the Spurgeon Morning and Evening Devotional. And uh, that thing's just been rocking me, man. I just can't believe, like, God in his providence, how many times, like, I've been feeling some type of way as I'm about to wake up in the morning or going to bed at night. And, like, God will use that Spurgeon Devotional to speak to those issues. So that's been I mean, it's something very small and bite-sized, but, like, I've really gotten a lot out of it, so I'll plug it. That's great, man. Spurgeon Day and Night. Love it, love it, love it. All right, man. So, episode one. That's episode one of our Christ Sports and Culture podcast. Maybe got to think of a name. Soon to renamed, exactly. Um, and we'll see you guys next time for episode two. Peace out. <laughs>